Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. We are going to be in John chapter 13 tonight, and uh, we are looking at a story that maybe you've heard of before. It's the story where Jesus washes his disciples' feet. And it takes place, we know Easter is coming up, and this happens right before uh, Jesus would go to the cross. So this night, he goes into the upper room with his disciples where they're going to celebrate Passover and have a meal together. And it's at this same meal that uh, later, after Jesus washes their feet, he will implement the practice of communion. So he will teach them what communion is. He's going to break the bread and pass the cup around. And so actually tonight, after um, my teaching, we're going to um, have a time of communion. And so it's going to be a little bit of a different night. So we kind of get to like immerse ourselves in the room the night before Jesus or the night that Jesus would be, eventually be arrested and taken into a a trial that was an unfair trial, and then he would eventually be crucified. And so this is happening in uh, taking place right before all that will go on. Scholars call this the shadow of the cross. And it's like all of these things are happening, these events, as the cross looms ahead. Uh, you know that feeling when something is kind of like weighing on you that's coming up later in the day and you're like stressed about it all day long? Maybe it's like a text you get at school from your mom that says like, when you get home, we need to talk. And you're like, oh. And then it's like nothing else gets accomplished that day. Like you're not paying attention to anything in class. You're just stressed about you're thinking of everything, like what could it be? I still get texts. I'm 33 years old, and I will still get a text from my dad that says, call me, need to talk. And I'm like, oh, man, what did I do? Like I start getting stressed out. He lives on the other side of the country, and I'm worried about like, am I going to get grounded? Can he still do that? And so, but even more so, Jesus, we know he will eventually, in just a few hours, he'll be sweating drops of blood because he is so stressed about what he's about to face. And so that's Jesus in this moment. He's about to face the ultimate separation from God, his Father. He's going to experience torture, darkness, loneliness, abandonment, betrayal. All those things loom ahead for him. And yet, in this moment, this is what he chooses to do. He chooses to gather with his disciples and to um, show them a very great act of love and service. In his final moments before his arrest and eventual death, he wanted to be with those who were closest to him. This was making me think of how sometimes we'll say, like, if you knew this was your last, you know, night on earth, like, what would you do? Who would you be with? And for most of us, we probably just would go to the people closest to us, and we'd want to do something just with them, just be with them. And in this moment, we really see Jesus' humanity, because as he faces that, that's, he knows this is his last meal before he has to go um, 
be crucified and die. And he wants to be with these men, uh, his disciples that he was close to. And it's in this moment when they're up here having dinner together that we get lots of beautiful teachings of Jesus. It's the next few chapters all take place in this same room before uh, Judas, who's in there, would ultimately leave and go uh, give his whereabouts to uh, the priest who would arrest him, have him arrested. But a lot of beautiful things happen in the wake of that. And I just wanted to start there because this is one of the darkest nights and uh, lowest nights of Christ's time here on earth. And in it, we're going to see what he chooses to do and how he chooses to show love and to uh, reveal more of himself to the people closest to him. So I'm going to read the first first five verses of John chapter 13. It was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was around him. So my first point tonight is very simple, but it's a good reminder. It's that Jesus loves you. John, the apostle who's writing this book and is recounting this story here, he would go on to call himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he was always aware and uh, just uh, knowing when he could see he was made aware and he would recount it for us, the great acts of love that Jesus displayed towards him. He could call himself the disciple whom Jesus loved because he saw all the ways that Jesus loved him. And he recounts a lot of them in scripture. And in this moment, he saw that love displayed and he wrote it down, this story, so that it wouldn't get lost or it wouldn't get forgotten And I think John and the way he lived his life is a good reminder of how we as believers, as disciples of Jesus, should view our life and our own experience. A daily practice of mine, and Nate can back me up on this, is to just like call out moments as they happen where I really feel and see and just recognize that I'm experiencing Jesus' love for me. And sometimes it'll just be me going like, thank you, Jesus. Like, I loved that. Thank you. And sometimes it's through journaling. I'll journal too, where I'll just recount the ways like during the week, moments from the day where I just know and felt and experienced the love of God. And John was really good at doing that. And of course, we see Christ's love for us ultimately in him going to the cross to make a way for us to be made right with him. 
And so right away, we all have uh, something we can point to of us knowing how much Jesus loves us, and we can recall that. Uh, we know that we don't have to miss uh, the people we say goodbye to when other believers um, pass. We know we can see them again. We can have hope about uh, a future and eternity with people. We have hope for our own future and eternal salvation. And so that's like the greatest form of love that Christ came and he laid himself down for us. But then also we'll just experience that love daily, right? And I think maybe sometimes we don't always put it together. But like for me, it'll just be a good sunset where I'm like, man, Jesus loves me and he made this and I'm experiencing it. And it's good to just call those things out. Maybe it's a laughing fit with your friends, you know, where you just like walk away feeling good. Uh, or it's being somewhere beautiful, just getting to experience this earth, this creation we're on. Or maybe it's a good meal or a good cry or just moments where you feel at peace and you feel content. And I think it's important, like John did, that we're people who just recognize when those moments are happening and we express gratitude for them and we keep bringing them to mind so that in moments where we feel low or things feel dark or we feel lonely, we've made a practice of knowing, no, Jesus loves me and I've seen his love every day my whole life, thinking like that song, all my life you've been faithful, all my life you've been good. Like we wanna be people who recount and recognize and see that love. And so I think John, just giving us this story is such a good example of that. He would say here that Jesus loved them to the end. And when he says that Jesus loved them to the end, it doesn't mean just until his death. Like it was until his death and then he stopped loving them. Because Jesus would love them through death and through his resurrection. And we're told that he loves us now from eternity. He loves each of us. Um, so the love didn't end there. It would be displayed at the cross, but that was not the finality of his love. The phrase here can be translated as, to the fullest extent, to the uttermost, a love that will never end. And he felt this way towards his disciples, and he feels this same love for us, his disciples now. A love that is to the end, meaning there is no end with Christ, so it never ends. We also see here in John's writing that Jesus loves his own. Uh, we're told that he loved his own, he, and he loved them to the end. And so what does it mean, Jesus loving his own? We know Jesus loved the entire world, right? One of the most famous verses in the Bible is John 3.16, which says, for God so loved the world, he sent his only son so that whoever believed in him could have eternal life. So Jesus loves the whole world. He loves every person on it. He died for each of them. But there is a deeper love that Jesus had for those who believe and follow him. And it's not because we're better or because we're holier or because, you know, we pray, so he says, oh, I like people who pray better. It's not like we're just better than everyone else. No, our love is um, deeper. It's a deeper love with him because we're following and loving him in return. 
we're seeking to please him. And there's, it's not a one-way street. Jesus can collectively love the whole world, but a lot of people don't want that, and they'll shut that door, and they don't want to get to know the one who loves them. They don't want to go deeper into relationship with the one who loves them. They don't want to live as the one who loves them has called them to live. But as believers, when we're reciprocating that, we get to experience a deeper, fuller uh, version of that love. This is going to maybe be embarrassing for me, but I'm going to say it anyway. Back in, like, middle school, Hannah, my, like, big celebrity crush was someone named Jesse McCartney. I don't know if you guys know Jesse McCartney. If you don't, you should Google him. And let me just describe him for a minute. He was a surfer who played music. And maybe that's why I fell in love with Nate eventually. But um, he had good hair. You know, it was like pre... Okay, if you like, look at him now. He looked better when I was in eighth grade. Um, This was like before Justin Bieber, before Harry, before whoever else people are into now. It was Jesse McCartney. And if you had talked to me in sixth grade... Seventh grade, eighth grade, I would have told you that I loved Jesse McCartney, that I was in love with Jesse McCartney. I knew everything about Jesse McCartney. I would read the like magazines where it would be like, what's your favorite milkshake flavor? And I'd like find out what it was. One like weird fact about Jesse McCartney that I'll never be able to get out of my head is that his birthday is April 9th. And so every time, like this year, Nate was talking about, like, yeah, Easter's April 9th this year. And I literally said to Nate, that's Jesse McCartney's birthday. And he's like, what the heck? Like, why? It's like, I, I've forgotten. I can't remember so many important things, but I'll never forget his birthday. I had his posters up in my room. I would, like, get them out of magazines. Well, they weren't in my room. My parents didn't like me having posters of him up in my room. So I would put them on the back of my door because they would never saw the back of my door. So that was like my secret door. A little hack for you if you have to hide a post. I'm just kidding. Don't listen to me. Don't listen to your parents. But that's where I, I never got caught, the Jesse McCartney posters on the back of my door. But anyways, if you had talked to me then... I would tell you that I loved him, that he was the one for me. I was writing Hannah McCartney, like, on my binders. And I, you know, that's where I was at in middle school with Jesse McCartney. I loved him. But Jesse McCartney did not love me back. (laughs) Jesse McCartney did not know I existed. He still doesn't know I exist. It's, you know, I'm sure he maybe looks a little different now, and I hope he's having a good life, but he doesn't know about me. He never loved me back, and it's a silly way to describe this, but it's that idea that in contrast to me and my love for Jesse McCartney, then my love with my husband, Nate, and now we've been married for nine years. Yeah, it's a good amount. (laughs) This week was actually, we realized this week was our 11-year anniversary of when we became, like, boyfriend-girlfriend, like, officially. So, (laughs) I've known Nate. 
for a long time. I've loved Nate for a lot longer than I've loved Jesse McCartney. And a key element of this is that Nate loves me back. And we love each other, and we've spent 11 years getting to know each other, um, getting to find out what the other person likes and dislikes. We know what makes the other person laugh. We know just how to have a good time together. We, we like each other, and we love each other. And because it's reciprocated, because it's two people learning more about each other and taking time to get to know each other, the love is deep, and it is meaningful, and it's lasting, and we get to experience just better things about each other than just middle school Hannah loving Jesse McCartney. And in a silly way to say a very big truth about God and his love for us, but when we're loving Jesus in return, when we're getting to know more about him, when we're in his word, when we're worshiping him, when we're taking time to talk to him, when we're spending time with him, those are ways that we're experiencing his love in a deeper way. And we're able to be more secure and sure in his love for us because we're experiencing it daily ourselves. We want to know more of him. And so we're able to have that closeness and that deeper connection. And I don't know about you, but I feel like if the God of the universe loves me, I want to get to know that love and I want to experience that love to the fullness and the most that I can. And so we want to be those people that are wanting to know more about that love, to receive that love, and to know more about him. And so for a lot of us, that's very simple. It means like we're reading our Bible every day. We're in the word where we're learning about him. We're finding out about who he is and what he calls us to and how we're supposed to live. We're taking time to talk to him. Maybe we're picking like one day a week on our drive to school or work where we don't play music and we just sit there and we talk to God in our car. We just bring things to him. We thank him for things. We can sit silently for a little bit, and then we remember maybe good things we experienced this week. We thank him for that, or we ask him for things, or we tell him about what we're nervous or scared or worried about. Maybe it's making sure you're coming to church weekly, too. You're coming here where someone's going to help you know God better, and you're going to get to experience worshiping him with others who want to know God better. All these are ways that we get to participate in the love that Christ has for us, and we get to go deeper in it. And so I think for my first point, Jesus loves you, we should be people who call out the love of Jesus as we see it shown towards us, and we should be people who are looking to experience that love more deeply and personally through time with him every day. That's how you get to know someone, and that's how you get to experience that deep, full love. Now, my second and final point, we only have two points tonight, is Jesus' love moves you. This now is the next step. It's how we respond to the love that has been shown to us. Demonstrating here, we see Jesus demonstrate here what the love of Christ should compel us to do. So I'm going to read verses 12 through 17, and we're going to look at it. When he had finished washing their feet, 
He put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your teacher, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Okay, so what we're going to do, look at the person next to you, tell them to take off their shoes. We're going to bring some bowls out, and you're going to wash their feet. I'm just kidding. Keep your shoes on. Keep your shoes on, please. (laughs) Don't worry, guys. Don't worry. Some of you really dodged a bullet, and yeah, it was not going to be a good night if I really made you do that. (laughs) Jesus here is not, it's a, you know, I got it started. Um, Jesus here is not speaking literally, like every time you gather together, you need to wash each other's feet. Uh, Although it's a good practice to stay clean, so you guys should maybe be washing your own feet uh, every now and again. Uh, Wear socks with tennis shoes, some things like that. But um, he's not talking about literally. He's describing the heart and the motivation behind his actions. Culturally, uh, foot washing was a regular thing. And what would happen was people, as they would come into someone's house, uh, guests or family, the people who lived there, whatever it was, there would usually be a servant whose job was to wash the feet of the people as they came in. Uh, You know, it was dirty and dusty and they're walking around in their little uh, braided sandals, and they would have gross feet. And especially if they were coming in for a meal, their meals, this doesn't look like the famous Last Supper painting where there's like a tablecloth on the table and they're all sitting up straight. That's not what it looked like. It was a low table that we're told later they're lying around like on top of each other, just like reclined on the floor. All that to say, the feet are in close proximity to the food. They're all at the same level. And so it was very important that everybody's feet were clean, and it's disgusting, but it was someone's job to wash the feet of the people as they came in. And tonight in this story, we're looking at Jesus took that place. I mean, that's got to be one of the grossest jobs you can think of. And he humbled himself to that servant uh, to wash the feet of the disciples. And we're told that if we uh, do the things Jesus modeled for us here, we will be blessed. Anytime in the Bible there is a portion of scripture that says, do this and you will be blessed, I am like very quick to take note of what that is. Because I want the blessings, and I want the peace, and I want the contentment that Christ has for me. And so I'm going to, in those moments where it tells me very specifically, this leads to blessing, I'm going to do what that says to do, and I'm going to pay attention. 
And he's saying here, what Jesus exemplifies for us is that we need to humble ourselves and to serve one another. That we need to be people, if we're disciples, if we're following Jesus, if we're learning to walk as he instructs us to, uh, his example that he sets is that we are people who look for ways to help, to lift up, to encourage, to exemplify that servanthood of Jesus. I found a few verses that I'm going to just kind of roll through here that I think are just good examples practically for us to think of how are ways I can serve uh, other people around me. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. I think this is such a good way, especially in this moment in time in our culture, for us to just serve others is by looking for ways to build them up, to lift people up. Right now, the like tone of our world is to look for things to put people down about. And so if we can be voices that are looking for ways to encourage and lift up uh, people, other people, we're going to look different than the culture around us. And we're going to look like Jesus because that's what he did in his culture. And so we want to be people that are looking for ways to build each other up to encourage one another. This is a way we can serve others because it's causing us to not think about ourselves anymore, right? We have to take our mind off our own things and look at other people and look for things to encourage them about or to um, just uplift them in. So we want to be people who show love to others uh, by serving them and we can serve them by thinking of them above ourselves and looking for ways to build them up. And when we do this, especially when we do it with the people in this room, like the other believers we know, uh, with maybe our family, people that we know are also um, seeking to follow God and to live as Jesus calls them to, we get to be part of helping just wash away the pain and maybe the hurt or the um, embarrassment, confusion, just like dirtiness of living in the world around us. We can get hit with so much negative things from uh, people who don't believe in God that when we are with people who are seeking God, we should all really be uplifting each other. And that helps to just cleanse us when we come into spaces like this. So we want to lift each other up. We want to be people who purposefully show the love of Christ. As we've received it, we want to show others God's love. So when we're together like this, we should be eager to demonstrate God's love to each other. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 also kind of says the same thing. It says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Again, just a good reminder that we should, when we're around other believers, uh, we should be looking for ways to build them up, to encourage them. And this is the same for everyone we come in contact with. We should always be people who are looking for ways to uplift others, to encourage them, 
again, I mean, you know that it's just, it's not a very positive atmosphere out there. And so we want to be people who are just taking the love of Christ and the truths of who we are in Christ and relaying that to others to help uplift them. So when we're all together, uh, there should be good works flying around, right? We should all be looking for ways to do good for each other, to stir each other up in their service for Christ. Because when you're being a servant, it encourages other people to want to be servants. And so we want to be setting that example as Christ set that example for us. So we should be people who are encouraging others in the Lord and serving the Lord by serving others. That's what Jesus lays out for us to do here. Uh, the worship team, you guys can come back up now. And I've got one last verse. And then we're going to do communion. So if you're someone who usually like tries to dip out right at the end, don't. We're going to do communion. It's going to be really special, really neat. 1 Peter 4 verse 10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I love this verse. We get to be examples of God's grace. We're the various forms. The places we go, we get to um, use whatever God has given us to serve others and serve him as we serve others. Wherever we go, you know, I was specific to here and in your relationship with other believers, but wherever we go, we want to be people who are serving others. Again, it is not, I'm not like speaking anything that's a big surprise to tell you that serving others, putting others ahead of yourself is like not the popular thing to do in the world today. It never has been, but it just seems exemplified even more so uh, now. And so we want to be people that are looking for ways to serve, to encourage, to put other people above ourselves. And sometimes it's very practical, like you're just letting someone get in line in front of you or take the better parking spot at school and you're not going to like yell at them about it. Um, but then sometimes it's deep, like you're looking for ways to be that person who's encouraging or that person who when they see someone on their own looking lost or looking um, just confused or abandoned that you go over and are bold enough to show the love of Jesus to them. And Jesus set such that example, such a good example of that for us, of what we're to look like. We're to be people who are willing to take that low place so that Christ can be glorified. And so that's something we want to practice doing. And as we look at uh, this next week, we'll really see Christ lived this out. He lived it out in this moment washing their feet, but he would live it out in an even greater way giving his life on the cross so that we could know God, that we could have right relationship with him, and we could have access to the blessings and goodness of life in him. And so he's that example for us, and we get to emulate that as we walk with Christ. And so in the shadow of his own death, 
this was one of the final things Jesus wanted to share with his disciples, that he loved them, that he came to serve them, and that they should love one another by serving others humbly in the same way. And so for us today, I'm going to leave you with this. Jesus loves you. He came to serve. He came in humility. And because we have experienced and we continue to experience this, we should follow his example by loving and serving others in humility. Jesus never asks us to do anything that he didn't um, show himself doing. He sets that example all throughout scripture. Everything he called us to, we can see the way he lived it out. And so we want to be people that are living our lives the way Christ did. And in tonight's story, we see him being that servant um, and loving others and looking for ways to serve others. So that's our message tonight. That's my reminder to you. Some of us really need to remember that Jesus loves us. And some of us need to just accept that love and live in that love. And then we want to take that love as we receive it and turn that into service to others.